everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Tax Time, our monthly podcast covering the main developments in Ireland. My name is Kim Doyle. I'm your tax director with Grant Horton. I'm also your host. Today I'm going to be discussing the latest in tax. The COVID-19 support schemes administered by the Irish Revenue continue to warrant a mention. I'll also cover other updates in the area of tax, such as the form CT1, which is the corporate tax return, and IXPRL financial statements, and recent announcements from revenue in relation to dispensation of the late filing surcharge. Negative interest rates charged by financial institutions is a topic that we've been looking at of late with our clients. I'll also mention or cover a reminder on remote working tax relief, particularly in light of the government's recent rural future strategy announcement. I'm joined by my colleague Sasha Kearns today, tax partner Grant Horton. Sasha will share her experience and insight into the latest international tax developments and the key considerations for businesses. Again, onto the topic of the temporary wage subsidy scheme. We've been talking about this scheme for, you know, certainly over a year now at this stage. And the scheme is not yet finished. However, we are in the final stages because the final phase is this stage two of the reconciliation process. And last month, Revenue issued the reconciliation statements to all employers who availed of the temporary wage subsidy scheme. So what this means now is that in this final phase of the TWSS programme, the aim by revenue is to ensure that the subsidy amounts that were paid by revenue to employers are reconciled and agreed to the subsidy amounts that were due to employers and which actually employers paid over to their employees. So we now have these reconciliation statements and all employers have until the end of June to review these statements, you know, make any changes, contact revenue if there's any issues, or in the majority of cases, as revenue tell us, the reconciliation statements will be balanced. So what will be required of employers in those circumstances is to accept the reconciliation calculation and thereby finalise their involvement in the TWSS programme. The current wage subsidy scheme or employment wage subsidy scheme or the EWSS, as it's also known as, has also dominated um, updates in recent weeks. Mainly around the Minister for Finance's published assessment of how the scheme has been operating since it was introduced in September last. We can see from the assessment published by the Minister for Finance that the EWSS remains a significant support to employers. A quarter of all employers in Ireland made a claim under the scheme in January of this year. As we probably would expect, the main sectors benefit, benefiting from the scheme are wholesale and retail, accommodation and construction. As part of these comments, when publishing the assessment, the Minister for Finance indicated that the EWSS will likely continue out to the end of 2021. Now, we, we know the EWSS in its current format isn't due to be in place until the end of June of this year. How it will look after June is not yet known at this stage, but the comments from the Minister suggest that we'd have some sort of wage support scheme for the remainder of this year. The Minister for Finance said that he continues to monitor the scheme and over the coming weeks and months, we, we should have a clearer picture of how it'll look beyond June 2021. Just slightly moving away from the, I suppose, COVID support scheme strictly, but a related topic has been around the filing of um, the corporation tax return known as the Form CT1. And for certain taxpayers also who are obliged to file IXBRL financial statements with revenue. For returns due since March of last year, which was coinciding with, I suppose, when we first we're dealing with the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. The revenue commissioners introduced a concession whereby the late filing surcharge for the form CT1, which is the corporation tax return, and these IXPRL financial statements was essentially suspended. 
Now that suspension didn't have an end date and, you know, clients and companies were operating on the basis of filing as best they could their, their tax returns on time. In recent weeks, Revenue have published um, their position on this um, late filing surcharge suspension and they have come out and confirmed that this suspension will cease at the end of June of this year. So what that means then is from the 1st of July 2021, any form CT1s and IXPRL financial statements that are outstanding will incur a late filing surcharge. There may also be a restriction on loss relief due to the late filing of the returns. So the key piece of advice is if you have any tax returns that were due since March of last year is to you know, do all best efforts to have them filed by the end of June this year. Perhaps a, a new topic and something that's, I suppose, only come across my desk in recent weeks is this, this whole area of negative interest rates that are being charged by financial institutions. Now, when we do, you know, carry out a bit of research, we can see, you know, this this was not strictly a new topic of conversation because it first raised its head back in 2009 when central banks widely adopted the policy of charging pretty much low zero or in some cases negative interest rates and really back then in 2009 it was an instrument used by central banks to encourage spending and in some cases borrowings like over the last several years the practice of levering ne negative interest rates has continued however it hasn't been you know widespread or commonplace until pretty much the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic were, were felt on the economies worldwide so this practice of negative interest rates has certainly become more commonplace since 2020 up until then, really, it was largely kept to institutional and corporate deposits. But since, I suppose, the second quarter or the third or, or I suppose the second half of 2020, we have seen um, financial institutions in Ireland now charging negative interest rates on certain deposits and savings accounts, not just for corporate investors, but also for individuals. This really has led to a renewed focus on the tax treatment of this practice of negative interest rates for both corporate and personal taxpayers. We have been looking in the last couple of weeks around the whole area of the correct tax treatment of this practice of negative interest rates and what it means for our clients. We've also been looking at what the tax treatment will be for financial institutions themselves, particularly if we consider that they are subject to capital advocacy requirements. In addition to the whole area of the tax treatment of negative interest rates, there's also a lot of transfer pricing considerations that we are working through with clients. We continue to be busy on this whole area and we plan to publish some more information to our website in due course. Moving away from the, the practice of negative interest rates by financial institutions and kind of closer to home in terms of how we are all working now, I think it's fair to say we would all agree that COVID-19 has, has had a big, big impact on the way we work and how we actually work. In, mo in most cases where possible employees are working from home and in the last couple of days, um, and, and certainly last month, the Irish government appears to be seizing the opportunity offered by these changing work habits to encourage or to move people from major cities such as Dublin and Cork, as, as they've stated, to the rest of the country. As I mentioned earlier at the outset, the government's rural future strategy was launched last month. And as part of that strategy, there's plans for a network of remote working hubs and new tax relief for employees and employers which support home working. It'd be very interesting to see what format these new tax reliefs will take. But for now, I think it's worth reminding ourselves that we currently have an e-working tax relief available in the Irish tax system. And essentially, this relief allows employees working from home who may have incurred increased home expenses, such as your electricity, your heat and your broadband, to claim tax relief for these expenses. 
Now, as with any tax relief in the Irish tax system, there are um, certain conditions that must be satisfied. But if we think of it broadly as a reminder, employees can claim up to 10% of electricity and heating costs for the number of remote working days. And they may also claim up to 30% of broadband costs also for the number of days they've been working from home. One, I suppose, area that, that we're commonly asked is, well, how do we go about claiming this relief? But to claim, you know, you have to upload receipts and submit them to revenue. There is um, one, one function that's provided by revenue. It's an application known as a revenue receipts tracker app that can be used for, I suppose, storing your receipts and uploading them to revenue. Also, you can use the revenues my account service. The impact of COVID-19 on us all has been the most dominant catalyst of change over the last 12 months. I think it's fair to say it's changed the way we all work. Sasha, what sort of issues is that presenting are you seeing and how are your clients dealing with these issues? Kim, one of the real challenges for business as a result of COVID-19 is obviously the displacement of its workforce and particularly for multinationals or any businesses operating in foreign jurisdictions. What they're now finding is that they have employees carrying out the duties in jurisdictions which don't necessarily align to where they're contracted from. And looking at it maybe from the Irish revenues perspective, um, I think it'll give businesses an insight into the potential challenges for them going forward. So obviously when COVID kicked in and in March last year, there were a number of relieving measures that the Irish revenues introduced. But if we look at um, the current impact of this and, and their current interpretations, from a corporate residency perspective, they've confirmed the extent that there are individuals carrying out their duties in Ireland that um, uh, are contacted to foreign employers, that won't necessarily create a permanent establishment for those foreign businesses in Ireland going forward if they're here due to COVID-19 travel restrictions. However, in regard to employer payroll obligations, the situation is slightly different and there were relieving measures in place um, for foreign employees carrying out duties here up until the 31st of December 2020. That has now ceased. So that means for employers, to the extent they have employees carrying out their duties here from the 1st of January 2021, they may have payroll obligations in relation to those foreign employees in Ireland that they're not currently aware of. And then finally, I suppose you always need to look at the tax residency position as well for individuals. Um, Ireland operates a days test when determining the residency of individuals. So um, the position is, from a revenue perspective, the extent individuals are carrying out their duties in Ireland, or sorry, are physically based in Ireland from the 18th of May 2020 going forward, that those days will be accounted for, um, for determining whether those individuals are residents in Ireland. And I suppose the impact of that is you may have people who've moved back to Ireland um, during 2020, um, and as a result of this new days test change, may now find themselves tax resident in Ireland for, for 2020 and potentially 2021. And that obviously has an impact on um, their own personal tax obligations and obviously the impact on, on their net pay as a result of any additional Irish taxes they may have to file for. So certainly a lot there, you know, for employers and individuals, as you said, to consider certainly those individuals that are here since May of, of last year. And I, I, 
I understand they may not have considered the fact like back, you know, at that time it's it's running since May 2020. Is the is there any expectation that revenue will produce updated guidance or or move on this point? Are you aware of? Well, the guidance I suppose I've just um discussed has, has been published kind of December 2020. Um subsequent to that, the OECD uh, produced guidance in January 2021, and there have been submissions made to the Irish tax authorities for consistency of treatment both across the three headings we discussed a minute ago, but also in relation to reflect those guidelines that the OECD have introduced. Um, To date, there hasn't been any indication that the Irish Revenue are going to change their position. So I think the key thing for businesses is they need to track where their employees are and they need to monitor this now going forward um, and be aware of the potential implications. Okay, and thanks, Sasha. I suppose it's an area we just need to, to keep a watch on to see do revenue publish anything that may be of assistance to to employers and individuals. Just, I suppose, linking with that and on a slightly different topic around the area of transfer pricing, you know, if companies are now doing things differently, you know, how does this impact on, on transfer pricing? I, I'm assuming it would have some, some sort of impact around taxable profits and where they should be allocated. Yeah, well, transfer pricing is obviously a a real buzzword, Kim, as you know, in Ireland now, because I suppose from the 1st of January 2020, our transfer pricing has been modernised and expanded to bring it in line with the OECD 2017 guidelines. So it's much more broader, more encompassing um, documentation requirements around master and local file. um, And any of the previous uh, grandfathering arrangements have now ceased. But also, if you layer COVID on top of that, I suppose the discussions that a lot of our clients are having is whether the existing arrangements they have in place are really reflective of arm's length pricing, given that maybe some subsidiaries may be getting government supports, some subsidiaries in the group may be affected from a sales perspective, some may be affected from a supply chain perspective. Um, Now, the challenge with I suppose benchmarking these transactions in the current environment is we don't really have comparable data um, to benchmark them against to determine that arm's length pricing because obviously COVID is still evolving. So there's a challenge here for businesses if they are going to um, adjust the transfer pricing intergroup to reflect the COVID environment is that whatever they base those adjustments on, be it real-time information in their sector, in their industry, um, obviously in in their location from a government support perspective, they need to retain that documentation um, contemporaneously and have it available because what we'll see then subsequently um, is that uh, tax authorities may challenge the basis on which those changes have been made. So documentation then, you know, is a, is a key is a key factor in all this. Would you say? Would there be any? Is there any significant penalties for failure to have those documents in in place? Well, from from an Irish perspective, um, under the the new revised rules, ultimately you need to have your effect your transfer pricing documentation in place, which reflect your pricing for that period by the time you file your tax return. And um, there's significant penalties um, around that if that documentation is not available when the when the Irish tax authorities request it within 30 days. Great. Um, thanks, Sasha. Looking at the area, I suppose, of, of the EU and how EU directives of late have, have influenced or, or shaped our Irish tax system, perhaps one of the, now will I call it an older EU directive, is was DAC 6, and this I know was the EU Mandatory Disclosure Reporting Rules, and they came into effect in July of 2020. What is the whole purpose of of these disclosure rules, and presumably there has been an impact on on businesses? 
Yeah, we seem like we've been talking around Act 6, I think, for, for a while, Kim. I think maybe because I suppose its initial implementation was deferred due to COVID. But now, obviously, it's it's live reporting. So just maybe to explain the, the background, Act 6 is um, uh, an EU mandatory directive. It's been implemented um, across the 27 EU member states into their tax legislation. And ultimately, um, it's mandatory reporting of certain cross-border transactions that take place between one EU country and another or between an EU country and a third country. Um, and in relation to the, the type of transactions that are reportable, there are certain hallmarks um, that have been laid out. And if a transaction satisfies one of those hallmarks, then it's deemed to be reportable uh, for tax purposes. Now, in relation to the current reporting timeframe, so if you enter into one of these transactions um, or commence um, the implementation of it, uh, you have to file this disclosure with the tax authorities in the relevant member state within 30 days. So a very tight time frame. Uh, the reporting obligation sits with the intermediary primarily, so your advisor is involved in advising the business on the transaction. But in certain situations, it may sit with the company itself. And we have been working um, across the European jurisdictions with our, our member firms in relation to this, trying to understand um, the different interpretations that the different tax authorities are taking. And what we're finding is there's huge amount of divergence in relation to the interpretations across the EU and divergence in relation to opinions of tax advisors as to the nature of transactions that are reportable. So the original intention of this legislation was that you would report in one member state and that would cover um, any reporting requirements in, in other member states. But given the difference in opinions now, what we're probably finding is it multiple reporting on the same transactions is happening um, in jurisdictions. I suppose from the business's perspective, while, while it's not the primary, um, uh, it doesn't have the primary obligation to report, as I said, that sits with the intermediary. We are seeing that businesses are ensuring that DAC6 is wrapped into their uh, tax risk uh, policies and ensuring that they have procedures around these type of transactions to track them, uh, whether they're reportable or not. And we're already seeing some requests for around DAC6 in multi-jurisdictional due diligence. So I think this is something that's here to stay. Um, also, while it's been obviously enforced within the EU, we're also seeing um, a broader view of what we've seen last year, Argentina and Mexico also introduce similar legislation into their, um, their domestic rules around um, cross-border transactions. So I think this is something we're going to see expand globally. Okay, and as you said there, it's not just, well, well I suppose we refer to it as an EU mandatory disclosure regime, it is now perhaps more becoming more global as other countries and jurisdictions take the rules on, on board in their, in their jurisdictions. I know we also have the EU's anti-tax avoidance directive, and we commonly refer to this as the ATAD. And under the ATAD, there's, there's five specific anti-avoidance measures which had to be transposed into Irish law. You know, at this stage now, we're in quarter one of 2020, like where is Ireland at in terms of these measures and has there any like is there any specific concerns or issues that you were dealing with? Yeah so I suppose we've progressed along the journey and we have three of the five measures introduced into Irish legislation to date and um, we have two left so the, the two we're currently looking at and the the 
the Irish government and the Irish tax authorities are looking at is the uh, interest limitation rules and then the reverse hybrid mismatches. Uh, in regard to the interest limitation rules, uh, there has been a consultation process which has just concluded. Um, and what we're doing, we're probably awaiting, um, hopefully in the, in the next few months, um, draft legislation around this, probably with the intention it'll come into force uh, from the 1st of January 2022. I suppose in relation to interest limitation rules that the consultation document very much indicated that it would be aligned with the EU directive. Um, within the submissions, there has been calls for, you know, the broadest exemptions possible under the under the directive to be introduced when it's been brought into Irish legislation. Our rules are, are slightly different from some of our EU counterparts that do cause challenges in relation to this. I suppose there's a few situations. Firstly, we have two different corporation tax rates, 12.5% for trading and 25% for passive, which the 25% rate can be relevant to some companies to the extent they have interest income within their books. Um, we also have uh, different interest rules um, in certain circumstances, depending on the nature of the borrowings. And we also have uh, a number of anti-avoidance rules around those um, interest deduction rules. And there's a real concern by layering the interest limitation rules on top of our existing legislation that it's going to cause a lot of complications. And I think that's the, the challenge for the legislature at the moment is that when they're bringing these into effect, they don't inadvertently um, create um, mismatches or double taxation or lack of deductions by layering the interest limitation rules on top of current financing structures that may exist within Irish corporates. Certainly, we don't want an, a, a, any more complex complexity in the Irish tax system and the Irish tax code, certainly as, as tax advisors, I can imagine. Um, I, I know recently also the EU adopted new rules which will revise or have revised its directive on administrative cooperation in the field of taxation, which I understand will, will essentially create a reporting obligation for digital platforms. You know, what, what does this all mean and, and when do we expect to see this coming into, into place or into force? Yeah, well, digital tax is, is a really interesting conversation, Kim. I think we can go back to 2015 when the conversation started um, at the OECD. And we, we had an international tax webinar last week with our colleagues in the US and the UK, and they've obviously adopted different positions. So it's interesting to see where they're coming from as well. Um, firstly, maybe just to look at the OECD's position, um, the US have obviously confirmed they've come back to ta the table in relation to the conversations around digital tax or what's called pillar one at a, an EU level, or sorry, at an OECD level. And that's obviously beneficial from the point of reaching some global consensus around this. Um, the UK themselves obviously um, have introduced their own digital tax rules. And, and for talking from with some of our colleagues, um, the application of them, given the threshold numbers, is limited to a small few. And probably the income that's being raised from them at, at a UK level is probably limited. But the OECD have said, that they'll hope to reach a consensus on digital tax pillar one by uh, July of this year, um, which will be interesting to see the progress they make between now and then. The EU had originally taken the position that they would wait and um, I suppose allow the, the conversations continue at OECD level. They had started discussions around digital tax in 2019 and, and they stalled. Um, however, they have come out last week and said they are going to move forward and continue to look at it um, with the intention that there will be um, something published in June. 
So it'll be interesting to see, I think, where the EU and the OECD sit around the summer in relation to this and how we can align it. I think from a European perspective, there's concern among the, the EU finance ministers that we wouldn't end up with one re regime at an EU level that wouldn't necessarily marry with a, a global position adopted at EU level or at OECD level. And that's the challenge. And yeah, certainly, you know, I, I'd imagine the EU will push ahead if there is no prospect of a, a global solution at the OECD. Just bringing it back, um, I suppose, one step back in terms of this, these new rules that the EU recently come out with, you know, as I said, they're going to create a report and obligation for digital platforms. Do you have any like further insight into what this will, will mean for businesses? And I believe it's not due to come into force maybe until 2023. Yeah, so that's what's they've called that DAC seven, and they just legislated for it um, in in the last week or so. Um, it has been discussed since since the end of last year, and I think what what they're trying to drive at an EU level. This is again, it's, it'll be an additional reporting requirement, as you've said, in relation to operators of online platforms who have to disclose details of sellers who generate income on their platforms. And again, I suppose Kim, what that's driving is you know transparency in that member states will have transparency as to who's operating online, the nature of revenues that um, they're driving from, from online trade. And I suppose one of the real challenges um, that's been discussed at a pillar one level um, and the formula around calculating it is how businesses are gonna capture that data within their systems. So again, this is, this is forcing a reporting, but I think leading uh, DAC 7 is, is forcing a, a reporting of this information and I suppose forcing businesses to put in place additional procedures to be able to capture this data accurately so they can report it. And I think moving forward, then that'll filter into how the, the EU levy data is captured. Okay, and my last question for you, Sasha, today is around the, the publication by the Minister for Finance of an update to Ireland's corporation tax roadmap earlier this year. And I know it sets out a number of significant actions expected to be taken by Ireland. You know, what, what can we expect to see over the next year or two years? Yeah, the roadmap, I think, um, has been very important from an Irish perspective. It was first published in, in 2018, and, and this is an update to that. And I suppose just the benefit of the roadmap um, is that it obviously provides certainty to businesses. And that's a key uh aspect given the level of tax reform that's happening globally is that businesses operating in jurisdictions kind of have some sort of an eye as to what may happen over the next two three years within the jurisdiction um, from a tax perspective the current roadmap obviously signals that it's going to deal with the, the the interest limitation rules the reverse hybrids that 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 we have talked about there's also a consultation process um from a transfer pricing perspective just launched as well in relation to the attribution of profits to branch situations that's currently in train but going forward what they've indicated i suppose two of the key things firstly they're going to look at outbound payments from a withholding tax perspective um, and i think that that's probably beneficial um, we do have a, a wide treaty network within within the the Irish tax system, but I think um, to ensure that works from a, from a global trade perspective in relation to outbound interest dividend royalty payments, I suppose is important. So that's going to be reviewed. And then the other positive thing, which which they've indicated, is that starting from this year, there's going to be an annual forum set up 
up for discussion between government and businesses in relation to tax measures. So again, allowing that consultation and a consultative process, which I think is very important as new legislation has been drafted and implemented. Thanks, Sasha, for joining me today and for that insight into the latest tax developments in Ireland and internationally and your advice on the key considerations for businesses. There's a lot certainly there for, for us all to consider. So that's it for today. Um, tune into Tax Time podcast next month where we'll be discussing the latest tax issues that may affect your business. If you need more in the meantime, go to our website where you'll find many fact sheets and insights into the topics we have discussed today. Thank you. Thank you.